tonight is one of those words that your initial response may be, gee, that's very simple, but I am a firm belief the gospel is simple. It is meant to be simple. It is simple. It is simple to the core, period. So I want to read a couple of statements, and if I can be so bold, recently I was in prayer, and and Jesus said, now write these statements down. They're important points, and they're important truths that my people haven't quite understood. So I'm going to read them, okay? And may the Holy Spirit be in us. What do you want to, you want to agree together? Let's do that. You know I love that. Let's put our hand on our hearts and just say after me, Oh, Holy Spirit, please give me the power to receive all the love Jesus has for me. Oh, Holy Spirit, please give me the power to receive. Humanity was his highest choice so he could have the joy of taking care of us. Humanity creating you as humans was his highest choice so he could have the joy of taking care of us. emphasized in John 17 in the Amplified. Jesus prayed, so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them and you. That they, that you may experience delight fulfilled in you. That the delight of Jesus is fulfilled in who you are. Jesus is praying that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls and that they may have my gladness filling their hearts. Humanity was his highest choice in how he created us so that he could have the joy of taking care of you. then as we would learn to let him take care of us, learn to receive, then step by step, we would grow as we receive. And then he would have the joy in teaching us how to bless the entire earth with him in the beauty of our destiny of love and oneness with him. Humanity is the gift that awakens our need for a Savior. Jesus restored humanity to its original destiny of divine dependence. Was that too much, too fast? 
sidebar. The tendency of most believers is we see our humanity as a liability, an encumbrance, an intrusion. Or in our humanity, we like to have control, we like to know, we like to have power. And all of that, while he has great compassion for it, is the exact opposite of what he intended. Okay? Everybody okay? We're all on the journey, so if you're thinking they're going, well, I'm sunk, I'm nothing but a control freak. No, you're not. You're in your humanity, and that's okay. Listen again. Humanity was his highest choice for creation of you because Father wanted the joy of taking care of you. And then step by step, as you received, you would grow up. And he could have the joy of teaching you how to bless the earth with him in the beauty of love finding its destiny between you and him and you and him being in oneness. That humanity is your greatest gift because it lets you know you need a savior. And when Jesus came, he came to restore humanity to its original destiny, which was utter dependence, divine dependence, right? I can do nothing without him. Jesus says, oh, I know nothing. I say nothing unless he helps me. Now, we're going to put that aside. That's a sidebar. Now, some of you know that when you love someone, you take notice of what little things are important to that loved one. Well, one of the little things that's important to the Father is his calendar. Most believers don't know about his calendar, and that's all right. But the calendar is very important to him. It's one of the ways that he asked us to love him. And so there are two calendars. Most people call them the Jewish calendar. They are not Jewish. They were designed by the Father and for the Father's heart. The first calendar has Passover as the beginning of the year. This is important. It'll make sense in a minute. In the first calendar, it's chronological. It was like Israel's personal testimony. It's like your personal testimony. The beginning of the year is Passover. Your life began at Passover when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and the blood on the cross and the power of the blood. And then next came Pentecost and when the Holy Spirit came into you. And then if you come around the summer month, the middle of the summer is the month of Av, where you learn about the Father's blessing, your identity as children. You learn the Father wants to comfort you. And then you step into the next month, which was, we just finished, Elul, which is where you learn that Jesus wants an intimate relationship with you. You are my beloved and I am yours. And he wants to sit face to face with you. That's very easy for us to follow. That's like, okay, that's a map. All right. But this past Friday, we started the second calendar. 
And some call it the civil calendar, but I don't believe God would call it that. God would say, this is my calendar of the eternity of eternities for all nations. It has key points, which I'll explain in a moment. It has Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah. You don't need to remember these. The ten days of all, the day of atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, and Simchat Torah. You don't need to remember the name, but remember the journey. Because this is the journey he invites you into. This part of the calendar does not go chronologically. This goes from the end to the beginning. Rosh Hashanah, which was this past Friday and Saturday. <coughs> Rosh Hashanah is when the king is on his throne. It's Revelations 1, when Jesus is standing there full of glory and full of power and he is on the throne. He has conquered heaven. He's conquered hell. He's conquered everything before him. And he is exalted. He is on his throne for the eternity of eternities. Rosh Hashanah celebrates when Genesis 1 happens, but it also celebrates the birth of the kingdom of the king of glory. Rosh Hashanah is when you come and you... You almost come with a quiet holiness because you feel the palpable presence of the one who sits on the throne that breathes and solar systems are created. The one who sits on the throne that is just full of light and power. And now we're in the ten days of awe. We're all the angels, and all the elders are falling prostrate before him, going, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. It's 10 days to soak in the awe that God has lowered himself to be in relationship with us. It's 10 days to not think about me, but to think about the awe and the beauty and the love and the forgiveness and the mercy and the creativity and the closeness and the longings and the passions of him. And then we think, what came before that? Because in this calendar, you walk backwards. He's the king of all eternity. But what happened before that? Oh, yeah, heaven worshipped him as the lamb and all. But what happened before that? It was the day of atonement. And to the Jews, the day of atonement is when the lamb died. To us, the day of atonement is when he was tortured on the cross. And it's a day of drinking in him and drinking in the truth that he had no form or majesty that we would even look at him. He had no beauty that we should desire him. 
He was and is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deep grief. He was one from whom men would hide their faces. He was despised. He was esteemed not. But oh, surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for us, for our transgressions. He was crushed by our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And it was by the stripes on his body that were healed. But we were like the sheep that have gone astray. And we've turned every one to our own way. And yet the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And then after that day of atonement, there's a bit of a rest. And then comes the Feast of Tabernacles. So if you think of it again, on Rosh Hashanah, he is the king of eternity of eternities. But what happened before that? All heaven was in awe of him. What happened before that? He was on the cross. And then there are a couple of days of rest. And then the Feast of Tabernacles comes. What happened before the cross? He tabernacled. He dwelt among men. He loved men. He loved the children. He healed. He taught. But what happened before that? He was 12 years old in the temple and he was tabernacling with the father saying no I'm here for the father's business but what happened before that and he grew in statue and he grew in wisdom and grace but what happened before that That's Simchat Torah. It's called the joy of the word. It's when 24 hours is spent in other joy in dancing, thanking God for the gift of his word. Simchat Torah for us is when the word became flesh and he became a baby. So in this season, he says, I want to position you to see things you've never seen before, but you, you must get in rhythm with where I am this year. Ponder me as the king of all eternities that shall reign. Ponder me as the king upon which no sun, no moon will be required, for he will be the light of all creation. But what happened before that? Ponder him as the one before which all heaven falls and bows and says, worthy is the lamb. And what happened before that? Ponder the cross. And what happened before that? Don't take it for granted. Ponder that he dwelt with men. He was a little boy. He came as Simchat Torah, the word made flesh. And ponder, for unto us a baby, a child is born. To us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord will do this. And just as a little caveat, in case you're wondering, like, well, Susan, are these things really important to God that we understand these rhythms? Zechariah says this in Zechariah 14, talking about when the Messiah shall return to earth. He says, on that day, there'll be no light, no cold, no frost. It'll be a unique day which is known to the Lord alone. And the Lord will be the king over all the earth. And then everyone who has survived in all the nations will come. They'll come to Jerusalem year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It is not just about learning the feast. They're not something to be done. They're not something to be understood. They are something to feel that this is a heart place he's inviting you into. So think of it this way. That we are lost in the beauty that this king of eternity of eternities is real. And that perhaps we have somewhat taken him for granted and grown too accustomed and somewhat anesthetized to the realm of power which he possesses and which he wields. And so for us, Rosh Hashanah is waking up to escape the realm of this earth with intentionality, great intentionality, to lay aside ourselves and lay aside everything in this world and with intentionality focus on the majesty of the king of glory and to pour worship before him. And in the 10 days of awe, while the angels were bowing before him, for us to be intentionally in awe that he chose me. He stoops to serve me. He's always stooping. Father, Son, Holy Spirit's always stooping. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Please, may we take care of you. And the days of awe are the place we're on the journey. We have caught a glimpse of him. And we're like, I want to be with him, not just there. I want to know him here. And so in the days of awe, we swing wide the gate of our heart. And we say, search me. Do I have offense? Do I have unforgiveness? Do I have doubt? Am I cold? Am I lukewarm? Am I whatever is between us? Please help me. 
I don't want it. I just want to be close to you. I just want to smell your fragrance and hear your voice and And then at the Day of Atonement, yes, with all heaven, we are in the same place. We're at the cross. And we're saying, it's only the blood. And we speak to our humanity, and we say, humanity, sit down and shut up. You bring nothing to the table but surrender. Your gifts and your abilities are still from God, you need to receive humanity because he's inviting you to be in his image and nothing in our humanity can make us in his image. It is the receiving of the power of the blood and the gift of the spirit and becoming utterly dependent. And when we receive that I think your blood did more than I've ever given it credit for or freedom to do in me. For Isaiah 53, it literally is him going, here I am, put your griefs here, put your wounds here, put your disappointments here, put them, and I will carry them inside myself away from you. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles. And those are the days when, with intentionality, we're saying, Jesus, I, I want to be one with you today. I want to live the day you've dreamed for us. Whether it's with my family, my coworkers, or running errands, I want to live the day you've dreamed. I don't want anything between us. Draw me closer. Draw me closer. And as we tabernacle with him, his desire is that some of our adult ways that resist humility and dependence will be won over by love and that we will feel so safe with him that we'll let go until finally at Simchat Torah, which is the day after tabernacles, we are standing there a little bit more of a baby heart this year than we were last year. And to those who stand as a child, he turns and says, you are the one that can govern with me. The kingdom is not for everyone, children. Not every believer has the kingdom. Do not be deceived. He said, unless you become childlike, you shall not enter the kingdom. Only the poor in spirit shall have the kingdom. Only those who have made it a passion to surrender to his love and to let him live through us. Those are the ones who are coming closer into oneness because the kingdom for unto us a child is given for unto us a child we shall become, child to child, child to child. That's who he gives his authority to. So the more childlike you are, the more he can trust you with the government of the kingdom, 
The kingdom isn't just this and this and that. Kingdom is culture. Kingdom is a way of life. Kingdom is something you carry and you release wherever you go. Kingdom becomes who you are because as a child you have submitted to his government and you have said, yes, yes, own me. I want to love you with everything. And he says, ah, to you, I will give the insights and the wisdom of the kingdom where you don't think like the world thinks and you don't see like the world sees. You're seeing now through his eyes, hearing through his ears. You are moving in a different realm and a different reality of life and a different focus than sometimes even other believers. This is a season when he says, I'm giving you the invitation I made you human. It was my highest choice so that I could have the joy of taking care of you. But I, I know that's hard. So all throughout my calendar year, I just keep giving you an invitation, giving you an invitation to say, may I love you now? C can I love you now? Have I lost you? Are you here? You okay? There's a story in John 9. Blind man is there, and they say to Jesus, So, he's, he's blind, he's got sickness, he's got difficulty. So did he sin or did his parents sin? Like whose fault is this? What's the root? What's the fill in the jargon? How do we get at the root of it? What, what is it? And Jesus said uh, he didn't sin and neither did his folks. And frankly, even if they did, I wouldn't tell you because it's none of your business. It's between him and the Father. What I'm telling you is, this shall be turned for the glory of God. And then, knowing we are dust, follow the prophetic imagery, we are dust. If you take a DNA test, they tell you to swab the saliva in your mouth, right? So he bends down to the dust. He spits, and he intermingles the dust with the DNA of his saliva. And it becomes a healing agent that he puts on the man's eyes. And this may offend some of you, but all weekend, all I could do was just keep singing, spit on me, Lord. Just spit on me. I'm nothing but a lump of dirt. Anytime, any way, 
spit your life-giving DNA my way and turn me into a royal lump of clay. Just spit on me, Lord. Just spit on me. However you want to get your DNA into this body of dust, spit on me, Lord. And mold me. Be a healing agent. Spit on me, God. Puts the mold on the man's mud on the man's eyes. And in the Greek, he, he didn't mean to do a pun, probably, but he really did a pun. In the Greek, it says he sent him to the scent pool. Soloa means scent. So it's like he sent him to the scent pool. But where he really sent him if you know the history of Siloam. He could have sent him to any other water source in Jerusalem. Siloam was sent because it was formed because strategies were sent by God. In the time of Hezekiah, he knew if the enemy surrounded Jerusalem, they could cut off the water supply. And so God gave Hezekiah a strategy of tunnels to bring the water into Jerusalem so that it was water that would never be touched by the enemy's hands. So he says, go watch, go wash in the water that has never been touched by the enemy's hands. And he was healed. Dear ones, it's really simple tonight. You've just heard the full of the gospel just maybe not in a way you're used to hearing it. Of the king that's going to reign throughout all eternity. But he got there through the cross and through coming as a child. And in this season, he says, please look at me. Will you please just look at me and not so much yourself just for this little window of a season. Will you pretty please look at me and let me show you how powerful I am and that I'm the king of the nations and of all eternities. Will you get lost in the awe of me? Will you let me birth awe so that in the days of awe, all this week till next Sunday, you're just in awe of how beautiful you are, how loving you are. That you want to be one with me, Jesus. Jesus, you want me to hear your voice and know your heartbeat, Jesus. Jesus, you want to tell me the whispers. Jesus, you want to drown out the yada yada of the world and even of me. I swing wide the gate. Whatever it is, pull it out because Day of Atonement's just next weekend. <laughs> All week, pull anything out of me that hinders oneness. No shame, no guilt. Don't go on an archaeological dig yourself. You don't know yourself. That's all an illusion of the enemy. We don't know ourselves. Only he truly knows us. So say, I'm not even going to name it, God. This week, I'm just saying, whatever. Whatever. Pull it out. God, I give you freedom. 
Come on, Dad, love me well. Take away what I don't even know is there, and if I did, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I just, I just want to be one with your son. I just want to not have even an inch between us. I don't even want there to be a delay between his voice and my hearing. I don't want even one care to distract me from him. And I'm in awe that you want to do it for me. So I'm just going to say all week, I'm amazed you want to love me. I'm amazed you want to be one with me. I'm amazed that you want me to look like your image. And it's all by the blood and you're just wanting to take care of me. And then the tabernacles is a season to, with intentionality, dialogue with him a little more and say, yeah, you're, I really do have God in me. Jesus, what are you thinking right now? Jesus, is there something I can do to make you smile right now? Jesus, I don't know how to be childlike. Will you teach me how to lean on you? I could go on and on, because it's a passion, but I probably shouldn't. He's beautiful. And this is the time of the year. We're going into the fourth quarter where he has prophesied. He wants to pull back the curtain and give you a clearer glimpse of your DNA than you've ever had before. And... This is another rung higher on that spiral staircase. These are appointed days that have been already purchased for you. There's nothing you have to do but receive them. So Jeremy and Janet, would you please come and pass out communion? If you'll do it over there and... Diane and Linda, would you pretty please do it over here? You see, some of the things of becoming childlike, dependent, I know some of you look at me and you're like, "Uh, Susan, we've heard about this a lot. Yeah. You'll probably hear it a lot more. Because remember this. Everything from Genesis to Revelations, it's all about love and it's all about oneness. And if you ever say you don't understand scripture, there's your anchor. Everything in this word is a singular focus Every story, every chapter, you cannot find one chapter in this book that in some way is not saying, look at your love walk with him. Come on in and be in oneness with him. Every chapter in the Bible, either obviously or with revelation, is saying love is the priority Seek it above everything else in your life.
And once you begin to feel your heart soften to love, then you're wiggling your toes in the ocean of oneness with him. And if you hear something or read something and it does not stir you to some realm of love, just walk away and hit delete. Because we only have one life. And learning to love with the love that Jesus had is enough focus for any life. We may all carry it differently. We may all release it in different ways in different places. But he has given you one task in this life, and that is be made in my image, and I'm love. Seek love. Love will always lead you to oneness. Faith grows by love. That will always take care of everything else. So it's just love. So you have been gracious. And listened. But the invitation in these few weeks right now is too great to miss, children. This is not an ordinary time. There is an uncommon open heaven in these weeks. An uncommon open heaven. And yes, he is available 24-7, 365, but there are appointed moments, and we are in an appointed moment of an uncommon open heaven for us to be transformed and for us to see what we have never seen, to be what we've never been, and to love by his power, not our effort. He just loves you. And if you could see him, he's on his knees begging and pleading tonight, pretty please. Could you want me just a little bit more? Pretty please, would you need me just a little bit more? Please, can I take care of you? This is, this is humility personified, the body of Christ crucified, in which he says, everything of your humanity, everything in this ungodly world, and everything that's ever come against you, may I absorb it into myself and truly set you free. This is the body of the Christ. This is the blood. This is the blood of the covenant. This is your identity. We're nothing without this. And we must never stray far from the blood. We are nothing without the blood. This is our past, our present, and our future. It is the key. For without the blood of Christ, nothing else avails for us.
This is the blood of invitation. It says, by the blood, we enter the Holy of Holies. The bride is the one washed in the blood to the Christ. 